Alright. We got the episode on the disc. We got our horses in the back. We're back, baby. <laughs> yeah. Hat is Maddie Black. From the drive home, I, I called her mum from a payphone. I said I was the cops and your husband's in jail. The state looks down on sodomy and that's about the time that bitch hung up on me. Oh, I, I was supposed to do a lyric from... Uh, I was just telling you guys about my weekend. Sorry. Uh, we are Hottest 100s and Thousands, and we're taking control of your radio station. This is the podcast in which we talk about the songs that have been deemed hot enough to be in the Triple J Hottest 100. My name is David James Young, and I'm one of the four voices you're going to be hearing for the next hour or so. Joining me once again is Nathan Harrison. Hi. It's Andrew McDonald. Happy to be here. And it's Adam Buncher. Surely the best prank call is the, the kick my dog one. Oh! Right, you all remember that one? No. no. You in. kicked my dog. Yeah, you kicked these guys. Shut up, you stink. You you came to my house and you kicked you my dog. You came to my house and you kicked my dog. And now it's sick and it needs an operation. <laughs> this person was very what? confused. Yeah. <laughs> this is some old internet, man. It's this old is internet. Some old, old internet. Is it, um... Who's that famous prank call? No, I'm not going to remember it. This is not good content. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like mine wasn't either. <laughs> uh, okay, we are in the business end. Like serious business and it doesn't get much more serious business than this at number 15 this is Silverchair with Anna Song Open Fire hey uh, for the first song we're talking about today it is some discussion of uh, eating disorders and mental health issues if that's not something you're comfortable with hearing right now perfectly fine hammer that plus 30 and we'll get back to the laughs when you're ready please die. Making their final appearance in the Hottest 100 of 1999 from the album Neon Ballroom. That is Anna's song, open bracket, open fire, close bracket. Close fire. Oh, okay. Adam. Yeah, hey. You're my obsession. I love you to the bones. Silverchair, we love you. Oh, but God. Can you stop and we're being... so worried about you. Can you stop being the first song that we have to talk <laughs> about in the episode? Give us a chance to have some... Gaiety. And are you okay? No. Like, it's not... No. This song is super not okay. But in a better, deeper, long game kind of way, this song is super okay. I mean, it's phenomenal and beautiful. Your heart's breaking as soon as you hear that opening line because it's just so delicately delivered. And the way that guitar comes in, it's just... It's absolutely magnificent. Now, 
Of course, the Anna in this song refers to anorexia. It's apparently a term that's commonly used within the anorexia and eating disorder community. You know, as is well documented and probably well known, this was something that Daniel Johns was facing as well, tied into other mental health struggles such as um, anxiety and depression. Often it's not, I, I, don't, I don't think, kind of talked about enough that like eating well, disorders and whatever, it, it is very much related to other mental health problems. Because you know? I, yeah. like, like anorexia, bulimia, yeah. even addiction and dependency don't, exist on their own they stem from depression right like it's a way it's a way it's a way to take like for eating disorder it's a way to take control of something in your life and you know what i think that comes through in this song the whole way that it's painted by creating a persona of anna that that daniel is kind of talking to and then kind of framing the song as if he's talking about an abusive relationship makes so much sense to that because exactly like you're not doing this to yourself because I it's mean, just a quirk. It, it's, a, it's a compulsion, sure, and, and to a large extent, it's outside of your control. But in its in the way that it started, it gave you something, and you hear that in the lyrics. You know, sharpened nails seem softer. Um, what I need from you, I love you to the bones. Like all these yeah. lines coming out that shows that, like, yes, there is actually, it is an abusive relationship. Yeah. And what's going on? But there, there's something that's being transacted here. Something that you that, that Daniel's kind of getting. That that opening lyric, like uh, it's you're so on board. You just when, when he says Diana, but I'm sure he didn't have a moment where he's like, man, that's fucking rules. But it does fucking rule. And same with um towards the end where he says anorexia, like mm. anorexia well, life. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is as well when he says like the I, I need you now somehow obviously. Um, yeah. Like I've not struggled with any like uh, anorexia or eating disorders anything like that. I've known people who have, and um like I. I we've talked about on the podcast numerous times we've all got our own shit going on but like as someone who's struggled with depression and addiction and dependency issues that I need you now somehow is so so accurate when you're in that mindset right like you know it's terrible but like like for addiction or stuff like but you still need it somehow you need your addiction because your misery is like wanting you to have that it, and it's awful and it is like a, like it says right it is, it is an open fire that you're in embra- like embracing it kind of thing but you need it and it is your obsession and like just saying that the haunted goddamn strain the way he delivers that I need you now somehow like it's just to a certain degree for me it almost cuts too close to the bone like yeah it's one like, of those I mean we've talked about other moments like the get up moment in um in emotion sickness oh, and all yeah, that. But Daniel, Daniel Johns has a way of just kind of like bringing that rawness of exactly where he is out on tape and yeah. making us kind of sit with it and deal with it but I mean like the song itself is just like absolute beauty it's yeah the, like so, the, the way like if without context if you just heard him going like open fire it's like what a like, beautiful oh, devoted awesome. oh, what yeah, a beautiful that, devoted love song right yeah. isn't mm. that so much the thing it's like it's a pure love song especially that chord like you, you get it jumps up to the major chord and all of a sudden like yeah. there's a brightness there it's, it's kind of like some of the best grunge choruses you know like it's this big empowered thing that is just like it just feels like moving forward and it's really great and then you know very quickly the song jumps back and you're like oh i see the shape of this relationship and it mirrors the shape of this song fucking right on but if you just were like hearing on the radio or walking past them at the big day out yeah and you hear you hear him like you're seeing him with his fucking rock and roll swagger and he's going open fire on the needs desire oh everyone's singing this yeah. as well like, oh man it's so like, the it's a that would be such yeah. a validating thing to have gone through that and you know oh. having this period of like hating music and shit and then having that sung back at you mm. feeling like 
at your absolute lowest and like never feeling more alone and then you know taking it out there and immediately being surrounded by people that love you support you and believe in you singing your words back to you well we we often talk about Daniel Johns in terms of his songwriting expressing something for himself yeah there's a quote here from him saying that he was warned by people that this song could be a mistake but he he said that he never wanted to compromise on it um, and he never wanted to not do this song because he realised how much it could help other people so there's actually an awareness that Daniel Johns had in composing this for other people who Mm. were going through the same thing which is a beautiful thing in itself what I love is when I was looking up this song just on Google or whatever I got led to people's tumblers. That's what I was, I was, I was yeah. just about to say. I reckon there are people. I was going to say Tumblr. I yep. was going to say f- old bulletin board forums, man. Like all mm. you know, like this is the thing. Mm-hmm. There's, there's this ongoing discussion that when, when people talk about the pro Anna community and people will have this like, oh, this is why the internet is problematic because a lot of these people, largely teenage girls, are going on these forums and sharing tips for how to like hide their anorexia from their parents. But that's a fucking straw man argument most of these fucking forums are where people who don't have anybody else to talk to and nobody understands everyone's like just eat the food and you hear fucking morons say oh I wish I was anorexic I'd Mm. love to be skinny these goddamn morons that say this so these people feel so isolated and alone so they have these forums where they can just actually bond with people who are going through the same hell that they are and I guarantee some of those people use this sh- or used at least back when these were more prevalent used this in their fucking signatures I write yeah that it's, it's a song that speaks to these people and this mental issue that people struggle with and it can like is deadly like it's yeah. deadly serious mm, like totally. legitimately yeah and like to have a song that you can connect with and know that somebody understands the fucking feelings that you have is fucking important and he nails it and what, I, I, what I found was it was just so simple it was just people reposting the line please Diana yeah that was it and then, and then, like the song, and it's just kind of like, cool. That's all. That's all you kind of need to say. But here at number fifteen in the Triple J Hottest One Hundred, you would yeah, have the highest ranked tr- Silverchair song. Mm. So you'd have to imagine that there would be people who voted for this who this directly spoke to their circumstances. I don't think it's a stretch to say this no. is a song that saved people's lives. Like, not at all. Like one hundred percent, absolutely. Yeah. And I think this is something really, really good as well. I think we've come a long way in the twenty years since then. But even now, like to to hear particularly a guy exactly being man. that explicit, not just about you know mental health stuff, but also like disordered eating, dude, is huge. Yeah, in this country, I I think like possibly more than than elsewhere. I think like body dysmorphia and disordered eating, like when you get down to what that what those actually mean, yeah, for dudes. It's there. Yeah. It's and it, it big just, time like, there. It does not get talked about. And it's just no. like, yeah, yeah, it's it's incredible looking at this song and being like, right, here's a guy saying, this is something that I've been through. And it's like, now everyone who's heard that song goes like, oh, right, I guess it does affect guys. Yeah. I remember when I heard like vaguely when I was, I guess I was a teenager and then I heard about someone saying Daniel Johns had anorexia. That was definitely the first time I heard of a man having it. I I I, I fully. So I think it might have been honestly might have been the first time I'd heard anyone having yeah, it. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's incredible. Like just that mm. in itself, for it to be such a popular song, not only in this country because it was, but globally. Yeah. And we've spoken about all this stuff like that, and it is worthy of discussion. But let's not forget the fact that the band are in fucking top it's form here. It's such a good yeah. song. Musically, oh, dude, it just I spent fucks. so much time doing the Ben Gillies airdrop. That's some real Phil Collins shit right there. It's fucking, it's huge. Like, if you changed all of the lyrics but the chorus, 
you could just have like an awesome like Rocky love song because yeah. like the music just works so well. Just like, that chord progression at the beginning, man. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that the transition, that moment. transition from the G minor in the verses to the E major in the chorus is yeah. such a huge payoff. It's fucking great, man. Um, also, uh, we I talked about when we talked about Anthem in the year two thousand. Uh, the fact that uh, Jim Magini from Midnight Oil is playing keys on this record, and uh, in this track in particular, uh, he has some really great moments on like the Hammond organ and the Wurlitzer. Like, matching the melody is so nice. And then, like, the... Like, the kind of, like, Beatles-esque uh, Wurlitzer. It goes so well, like... And it, and it juxtaposes really well with the... Which, again, I've talked about, like, those moments of self-sabotage. Like, there's just moments on this record where he just can't help himself. It's just like, oh, you want the fucking pop song, do you? Well, it's going to be on my fucking terms. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. That's one of the really co- interesting uh, bits of craft that I've found on this record in particular. We've seen so many bands, you know, this entire decade of, of the countdown, like, playing with those dynamics. But I think this song, there's a fragility to it that, like very few artists manage to reach and then to still get the heavier moments that huge chorus that really feels like it lifts you forward and and all those other things like they're just kind of doing it better than anyone else a little bit because you can be soft without being vulnerable yeah yeah 100 percent. you can be quiet and it doesn't mean anything yeah but the quiet the quietness lets you in in a way that you know, potentially other songs when in their quiet moments don't. Yeah. When it does lift, it really is drawing... It's drawing the embrace of people to you. Yeah, definitely. And, and I really do think the dynamics mirror beautifully the dynamics of the relationship he's describing in the song, in the writing. Like... Yeah. Yeah. When I listen to this song and I listen to Emotion Sickness, you know, I had a thought just being like, God damn it, man. Like, these songs are so much more beautiful than what you're talking about. You're talking about some ugly, ugly shit. But it, it, thinking about it now, it's like, no, it's not about the things itself. It's about the people. Mm. It's about you. You're making it beautiful for them and for yourself, even though the shit you're talking about is, like, disastrously ugly. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Killer of a tune. Yeah. Just yeah, absolutely. Amazing, man. One of my Stone Cold faves, Silver Chair songs. Easy. Totally. Big time. Me good. too. Number 14, this is Killing Heidi with Mascara.
Bunny coming in at number 14 in the 1999 Hottest 100 with their Aria number one smash single Mascara. This, along with another particular track that we may or may not have already discussed in the past slash the future, uh, is part of, uh, I guess, in terms of Killing Heidi, the big two. Uh, if you know Killing Heidi, you know uh, you know this song and you know another song, but we'll get to that other song at some point. Or maybe we or have. We have already. Who's to say? <laughs> Who's to say, really? Oh, we really messed it up for us. <laughs> Nathan, yeah. we're going to throw to you first. Where were you? Where were you when you first heard Mascara by Killing Heidi? Oh, God, I don't know. In the car, I assume. <laughs> On the way here. <laughs> <laughs> they released this as a single when when Weir was still in the charts. Yeah. Like, they, that is striking while the iron's hot. What a huge one-two punch yeah. for a band to just... That is explosive. Crazy, right? And risky. You could just and wait risky. a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They risked it for the biscuit. They did. And they got two biscuits. Two, two big, gold-plated big biscuits. <laughs> I think I like this one more than we're. I think I do too. Yeah. Especially coming back to it and really thinking about them both now. It's just so fun and energetic. And there's that moment just after the uh, the second chorus, like the kind of extended chorus, Ella's finishing the vocal line and everything comes in and you get that little keyboard flourish and you're yeah, just like... Yeah, that arpeggio, man. Oh, Some good shit. That's this song, right? Like... Everything just it, comes it, together. It, it feels like it's all the way it's mixed. You just feel it's like it's orbiting the earth, like totally. it's just going around. But I think I think the, the the song is the first couple of again, like the I'm obsessed with the beginnings of songs. It's like, well, when you're busy, <laughs> you know, as a busy mom, I've only got time for the first fifteen seconds of every song. But like this is. So these are kids at this point and this is the first time that they're making an album, and all of a sudden they have money and they're in a studio and like. So the beginning is ah synths strings everything blah, blah, this, put it in yeah drums man fucking bam bam the excitement bam, yeah. of being young and being able to make music is embodied so wonderfully in the beginning of the song I think even today this kind of high pop energy song in rock music is something that could still succeed in today's world I think like the, the songwriting this is just so shining and like there's no hint of misery or irony yeah. there. It's just like, yeah, it's just poppy and fun and awesome. And it's, yeah. It's a bit like that ready to go song. It's that like, you know, high powered pop rock, you know, female vocals. Like it's just pure energy. Like I just always have time for it. It's just fun. And there's an energy to it that's so captivating and seductive. And this is great. It's so is, much fun. Is the song about like, don't put too much pressure on yourself to be alternative because it's a waste of time. Right. I, I love the, I the, feel like the position she, it's, of the It's lyrics. like a singing to herself kind of thing. It is yeah. exactly like mm. that. It's like, you know, like when you, when you do like automatic writing or just like f journaling or any kind of stuff like that, you often like create a space where you distance yourself from yourself and are able to see your own situation really clearly. And offer advice from an outside point of view about something that you yourself are going through that's what this song is to me mm. it's really like the band adopting an older wiser persona of themselves in the future reflecting back on themselves being like look you're going through all this individuality trying to fit in trying to be cool all that kind of stuff don't worry about it the boring and old of the things you're told about the outside world and just wearing black won't take care of that don't be stupid girl it's like fucking at me next time Ella <laughs> <laughs> God damn, if you ever looked up, <laughs> man, you'd see the sun. <laughs> but also, like, her voice just sounds so good pushed through those words. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just something, I don't know, just, just sonorously, the way 
the, the sounds she's making the um the, the mouth sounds the video for this just like the way that she's like singing and keeps like rocking her head back and forth and stuff like that that's fully the energy of the song like, yeah you just that she, you want to sing along to that and like do the like yeah she talks in interviews about how hard it was for her to record songs because she was used to moving around when she sang so much yeah. she's like all of a sudden i have to be still because there's these very expensive microphones right in front of me and i have to just like sing into it i just had to like develop the <sighs> skill of not moving around and I know where she's coming from because usually I um, just like... In your recording career. In my recording career, I like mumble around and like very wildly gesticulate my every part of my body. But now when I'm on the clock in the handsome podcast that we do... Check being, it out, guys. Being um, very still. Have to speak directly into a directional mic. Like yeah, because yeah, usually I'm just all like chatting around like this and you've got to like pick it up and... So I know where she's coming from. <laughs> <laughs> I, too, I too am a stupid girl. <laughs> Dressed in black. <laughs> Fuck, we're all dressed in black today. Hey. Oh my god. Because we're cool. Mm, we really are cool. cool. Actually, you're all in you're all in theater blacks, and I'm wearing a shirt of Danny Filth at the grocery shop, which is a nice thing. It's That's fantastic. Yeah. It's from the uh, Bring Me the Horizon video for Wonderful Life. Yeah, I mean it's fake black metal, but it's okay. Oh <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. It's good, but <laughs> Hey, I, I, real black metal is arguably not good. Yeah. <laughs> so that's fake, but it's a fake of a bad thing, so it's good. So it's, okay. so it's all right. It's, yeah. a, it's, it's real double negative hours. Hey, yeah. yeah uh, the, I don't like the true cult stuff. <laughs> I like medium cult. Yeah. Okay, false cult. Uh, Semi false. <laughs> it's like questionable cult. Semi false cult. Yeah, citation needed cult. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I'm really into to more black metal. You know, like killing Heidi. <laughs> <laughs> kind, of, kind of a black metal name. It is Ella. Ella, it's your cousin Marvin. <laughs> you know that new sound you've Marvin been metal. For? Marvin black metal. <laughs> but I mean, like this is canonical as well, right? Oh, like, if big you, time, man. If you big were time. around an Australian radio at this point, no matter how old you were, you know this song, and like realistically to some extent it doesn't matter what you think about it now because it's just it rules at the time it's, I, I, I think it still rules now I put it on in the context of listening to Reflector okay uh, which I have to say holds the fuck up you could probably have put out every song on that record as a single and would have done pretty well all things considered like it's just one of those records it's just super catchy great production great vocal arrangements there's just so much cool shit going on like the production itself is a bit dated just because like it's like state of the art for like 99 2000 you know what i mean mm. but at the same time like it's still the songs themselves are still really fucking strong yeah. and i think that's reflected in the fact that you know killing heidi is still touring now and you know they've gotten back together with a new lineup and stuff like that and jesse and ella are playing these songs again killing heidi first band I ever saw alive nice hey, yeah. that's hey. good. They, did, they did a free show on the Wollongong amphitheater in the mall oh, oh. Sick. In the middle of the day. Jeez, was it packed? Yeah, my mum took me. It was good. Oh, that's good. Hell that's yeah. sweet. I think I like looking at the YouTube comments. There were like a bunch of people being like, "I saw them at this shopping center when I was like twelve or whatever." And it's just oh, like, oh, they would have had to do the rounds back in the day, man. Totally. But like, how you know that's so good as well, and like so wholesome. And you know, we've talked before about like regional touring and stuff like that. But like anything like that where people wouldn't normally see the bands that. And particularly young people. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. Well, that's it for Killing Heidi. Uh, best of luck to you, really. <laughs> uh, wherever you may go next. <laughs> At number 13, this is Blink 182. With What's My Edge again? 
took her out. It was a Friday night. I walk alone to get the feeling right. We started making out, and she took off my pants. But then I turned on the TV, and that's about the time she walked away from me. Nobody likes you when you're 23, and I'm still more amused by TV shows. What the hell is ADD? My friends say I should act my age. What's my age again? What's my age again? Blink 182 coming back into the hottest 100 at number 13. That's What's My Age Again from the album Enema of the State. Okay, here we go. Uh, yes, I think that for this time, I think this is the thesis statement for Blink 182. Yeah, is, that's, that's yeah, pretty fair. Uh, yeah. Yeah. For this era, yeah. Yeah, it's like obnoxious pop punk uh, driven by like lyrics of like pranksterism and like a chorus them intentionally not wanting to grow up that's mm. blink 182 at this point in time song was originally written as a joke yeah what was it yeah, yeah. of course it was yeah um, and, and, and just kind of played to one another and like improvised heaps of vulgar lyrics to go yeah. along with it that's kind of how the song started like yeah it's like for better or and for me for worse um this is exactly what blink, blink 182 were they were bratty fun for their fans young dumb not like the worst misogynist in the world but certainly on the wrong side of the fence who just stumbled ass backwards into having guitars <laughs> this is <laughs> like the lyric that you read at the start of there, Ep David. Like, oh, you that the, the thing I was telling you about, about for my weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that kind of don't thing. own it, David. <laughs> it's not good. It's like, that, that, I'm that, not proud of it. <laughs> that kind of thing is just like, like again, it's not like the like the worst fucking bullshit misogyny we're going to talk about next week. Um, <laughs> um, but it's but it's, it's just dopey, dumb, entitled like white dude bro bullshit. The way that they write their song, it's in, it's ineffably catchy. It's it, the it's poppy and hooky kind of thing. But I but I just sincerely think this is just so fucking dumb. Like this yeah. is this is dumb, dummy, dumb, dumb, dumb music. Well, like, it, like, it is like yeah, I know, that's, that's the thing. I, I, I like, know that, that's the point, and that's and why I, they blew the fuck up in '99. And I know that in me critiquing this as a 30 year old at the time, they would be like, "Yeah, exactly. We're, we're pissing off the right person." They'd, so like, I saw for that. Thing, I guess they nailed it. They wrote, they, they wrote the, exactly the song they wanted to write. I don't think this is like like brain poisoningly bad or anything. I don't think it's like changed the minds of people to then become worse people or anything like that. Like it's not like a, a dangerous song or anything. But like, it's it's just so fucking obnoxious and thick headed. Like it's so smooth brained. Do you think so? Or do you think like it's self self lampooning and like at the same time as it's kind of celebrating that, it's also kind of going like, uh, you know, it's it's admitting fault. Maybe considering, like, it's definitely like a meaning fault in saying, like, the dopey things they do and, like, what's my age again? Like, yeah. They're not saying, like, it's, it's not like the Tom Waits, I don't want to grow up. They're saying, like, what's my age again? Uh, like, uh, man, it's kind of embarrassing I'm doing these things. And well, I mean, fact it, that it was, like, a jokey song. Yeah. Like, I, I accidentally wrote this song. That is the defense <laughs> you'd use. Like, <laughs> the Blink-182 songs that I do like, this is not among them. You know what? If I had to listen to only one Blink-182 song via duress from this era... It would be Josie. Oh yeah, but, but this would be this would honestly be second. I actually the, the instrumentation, like the music of it, is I really like it. Like yeah, it, it, especially, right, like, good. I think it's really great because like the the music is coming from a point of absolute sincerity in terms of the sounds that they're putting out, and to place that up against the song, it kind of like. It creates a really nice tension that kind of elevates the joke, I think. It's fucking hilarious that Tom DeLonge, every time that he would play this song live, he'd be like, everyone just shut the fuck up so I can concentrate. This guitar part's really hard. And then when he left and fucking Matt Skiba, who is like 
absolutely a much better guitarist always would still fuck it up as well just like every single time it's so, great and this is also a really important song for Blink-182 in addition to being a, a thesis statement because it's the first single that Travis Barker drummed upon oh yes Scott Rayner the previous drummer there'd been some problems there for, for quite some time um, he was you know creating tensions inside the band partly because he wanted to actually go back to college which I find quite ironic like everyone else is singing songs about how they're 23 and acting like they're 19 he's like no I actually want to go and get a job and a degree so uh, apparently all this kind of came to a head at a festival called Snowcore where Scott uh, departed from the band and then directly after that they first trialed Travis and the legend goes that um, he learned all the drum tracks for a 20 song plus set list in only 45 minutes and then just played them flawlessly. Mm-hmm. And so the band were like, holy shit, this guy. <laughs> yeah. um, and then, you know, Scott... Was he in the Aquabats at that point? Or? He, yeah, he yeah. was in the Aquabats at that point. And yeah, yeah. they just kind of brought him in as a ring-in. And then Scott came back to the band, but it just really didn't work out. Apparently he had quite a problem with um, alcohol at the time. Yeah. And the band was just like, sorry, man, like it's, it's not working out. And Travis came straight in. And they really credit him as being a, a strong creative force for the band as well because he you know the first thing he said is like hey guys how about we do some songs at different tempos we're not going to do that for at least another five years <laughs> so this was the first time that they were on like the main billboard chart mm. yeah. so prior to this they peaked at number 11 on the US alternative charts uh, with Damn It and at that point uh, they had already had prior to What's My Age again four singles uh, that charted uh, on the Australian Aria charts so Wasting Time and Apple Shampoo uh, were both uh, at number 90 peaked at number 90 on the Aria charts in Australia Damn It peaked at number 34 and Josie peaked at number 31 in Australia Mm. weirdly What's My Age again Picked at number forty-two on the Australian charts. Well, it's not as good as Josie, so yeah, I, I agree. It's a it's a much better song. Uh, this was also the first Blink One Eighty Two single to go gold. Yeah, right. So there you go. Yeah. That's not surprising. Yeah. yeah, this was definitely like a breakthrough single in a lot of ways. And then the next single is obvi- is all the small things, and obviously everything yeah, kind yeah. of goes gangbusters from there. This is such a better song than all the small things for I me agree. in terms of like I agree, actually. me being able to tolerate it because it's not tr- playing with any of the real soppy sentimentality I I think I prefer them as a joke band to a band that tries to you know do that kind of soft tender stuff sure you know what I mean when we spoke about all the small things I remember thinking that I hated this more but then listening to it now they're both equally unimpressive to me (laughs) (laughs) I hate them both I think like musically it's it's not bad and like the the intro and the kind of that interlude is is nice I just like lyrically it's that's enough for me to just be like, fuck this. Like, that's yeah. it, right? This is yeah. a shit song. Just the idea of liking it makes me feel not good, yeah. you know? Look, you were young once. I was never into this song. Of course you weren't. No, I got into Blink um, uh, with Takeoff. Um, I, I, obviously, I liked all the small <coughs> things as a kid. Mm. But. And but Josie, never this but, one. Yeah, never. Ever. Who knows? I no. don't know. Maybe I wasn't watching video hits like in the couple of months when it was big. <sighs> Had to be there, man. I guess. <laughs> yeah. 
I remember listening to this you know, on the CD changes at Sanity. You remember when you could walk in and there were headphones at Sanity and you could like pick the songs and shit? I'm just like, oh, they have the Blink album. I'm going to listen to What's My Age again. And because it was so loud, I had no idea that I was singing along really, really loudly uh, until like one of the fucking clerks came up to me and was just like... You, shut the fuck up, kid. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much, hey. They were very nice about it, but I was just like, oh my god, I was so, like, in the moment that I completely fucking forgot about it. I'll do that now. I'll just be walking down the street, just like Big Bird, just la, 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 la. I got listening to Big Bird recordings. <laughs> I did listen to the Peppa Pig album yesterday. That shit slaps. Well, what the shit's with that? Did Peppa uh, Pig release an album? Yeah. Yeah, she did. It's not just a meme. It is becoming right. a meme, but it's a real album. What's What genre is it? Children's, children's music pop. yeah oh okay for some reason I thought it was hardcore rap that's what I'm hoping for I reckon the next album she's gonna go in that kind of direction but uh, no this album is more about like uh, going to the zoo mm. hanging out with your friends uh, my mommy, Brexit is great daddy <laughs> uh, yeah Brexit yeah <laughs> I do like the line um back to the song uh, the consequence of sound wrote um when they were going through a bunch of Blink's top songs or whatever. They said, the truth is that it was always a little strange for grown men to be writing songs about prom night and other high school pitfalls. But What's My Age Again works so well because it tackles the strangeness of that head on, which, you know, I don't think it works so well. But I do appreciate that they're at least... There's mm. like a question mark over the high school antics in this song and that makes it more palatable. But I still yeah, like what? the song. That, that, that's kind of like answered a question for me. Hmm? Yeah. Hmm. In, terms of, in terms of like why I maybe find it a little bit more honest and yeah uh, cool straightforward and it, it doesn't kind of put me off in terms of yeah yeah that, 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 hmm. Hmm. yeah and why don't they write a song about brexit now Nigel Farage! at number 12 this is garbage with when i grow up it's a good one when too when i grow up i'll leave the eu <laughs> <laughs> Garbage making their return to the Triple J Hottest 100, coming in at number 12 with the song When I Grow Up from the album version 2.0. Now, I thought of all the songs in the Big Daddy soundtrack, I definitely <laughs> thought Kangaroo Song was going to get number 12, but uh, unfortunately, we're stuck with Garbage, so, you know, bear with me here. Uh, so this comes from version 2.0, uh, several tracks of which we have talked about previously, uh, including I Think I'm Paranoid and Special, like some of my absolute favourite Garbage songs. 
Uh, now, this was a big commercial breakthrough moment. Like, uh, this is like only happy when it rains levels. Like, this was a big, big, big pop song. I always used to gauge songs, like, how big they were, like, depending on how much I heard them on the radio. I don't think I got on a bus throughout 1999 without hearing when I grow up at least once. Like, it was just in that much kind of high rotation and circulation. And it's so easy to see why, because there's such a, like, poppy electricity that runs through this song. Even if you don't know it by name, if you just go ba ba da ba, it would be like, oh, it's that song, you know? It's like so distinct and so catchy and just, yeah, it's so much fun. It makes perfect sense that it would, you know, be the lead single to a soundtrack to an Adam Sandler movie. Not a particularly good Adam Sandler movie, but you know, an Adam Sandler movie nonetheless. Uh, it's got its moments. Uh, also, the little kid in Big Daddy is now a heartthrob on Riverdale. So, go figure. Yeah, right. Cole Sprouse. Wasn't it twins? Yeah, there were two. One of the twins, Cole Sprouse, is, he plays Jughead in the gritty reboot of the fucking Archies. All right, so, well, there you go. Where's, where's the other one? Who fucking knows, man? They still double for, <laughs> for, for Archie. For Archie. Uh, for the, for some the, real twin magic shit. For the horny teen drama. Can I just say, also nice... Um, Hottest 100 thematic pairing. Mm, What's my good. age again into when I grow when up? When I grow up, yeah. yeah. Uh, I never even thought of that, man. Because Shirley said, you know, like, this is actually a song partly about the delirious state of wishing and hoping and dreaming for things and not giving up and, like, you know, kind of really, you know, that kind of state. Um, but also, like, her kind of getting at people who think that they've, that they've got it all figured out. Like, who mm. think that they are grown up and have it all together. Yeah. And saying that, that, like, that's kind of just patronising and that's kind of really small-minded. And that, that, that state doesn't actually ever exist, even if you do think that it does. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, you don't hear this when you're just listening to it across the radio, which you, I assume would have done countless times by oh, virtue so of just much. having ears but like the production itself is like really intricate and busy there's Dude, so the, much going on the production man the, I, I it, think Butch would have produced this like he was producing all this shit at the time yeah the uh, yeah. the the huge drums in the chorus are so fucking important mm. those sampled beats but the verse beat like it's a fucking trip hop beat it's just sped up I was listening to it in prep and I was like yeah if you, go, if you go on YouTube there's an option to playback speed and alter the speed put it on 0.5 and it keeps the same pitch and stuff but it's a goddamn trip hop beat it's almost a Porter's Head level beat like, yeah, right. but they just it's just doubled in speed so it just works as this electronic pop song and like, I, this is obviously like, whenever we speak about garbage, like we talk about the different hats they can wear as a band. And this one is just them embracing their pop sensibility in a huge way. Like the chorus just is so anthemic and so like easy to sing along to. And those huge overproduced drum sounds in there just make it booming. Like this is just a fucking wonderful piece of pop music. Yeah, a, big time. A gentleman by the name of Chuck Taylor uh, wrote that uh, the song is just edgier, more daring, and lots more fun than your average pop hit. That's just like, that's the thesis statement for what garbage you've always done. Yeah. And it's we've always what we've kind of said whenever we talk about a garbage song. It's like, this is a pop song, but it's just a little bit, got a little bit more to it. It's a pop song plus. And, and that's yeah. always like through a combination of really cool and interesting production choices that no one else seems to be doing at that time. And then just the actual sort of performativity of, of Shirley and the whole band is just always yeah. completely delivers the conceptual idea. 
yeah. you know, from production and songwriting. It's just like, it's great. It's so good. They just work so well as a unit, the four of them. I just checked and uh, all of them produced uh, this album. So all That's of why them- so much going on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They've all got like computers next to them. Like they're all doing their own mixes and shit. I can just imagine that. But that's hey. so exciting to have all that going on. And it's such an uh, easily digestible pop song that just has so much depth to it. Yeah. Like, it's just like a funnel. You can just shove it all down. Goes down smooth. Funnel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When, I think of, when, I think, when I think of music that I love, I also think of a garbage funnel. <laughs> <laughs> chug, chug, bitches. <laughs> um, yeah, Big Daddy's not a great film, though, is it? It's got the kangaroo song. It's pretty good. <laughs> it's, what, what's it, what's it, what, what do you think is, fr- from the, the pre-current era of Sandler movies, like mm. your, your Netflix mm. garbage, what's, what's the weakest from the classic Sandler era? Do you oh, believe? Mickey? That's a good one to I'm pick. A, I'm a little Nicky apologist. <laughs> what? <laughs> Just because I love Jonathan Reese Iffins and the Ozzy Osbourne cameo at the end is fucking mm. sick. Um, but yeah, a lot of- All right, well, what's worse than it then? Mr. Deeds. Oh, I was yeah. going to say Mr. Deeds. I don't think I've yeah. seen that. It's so. not great. We're known, we're known a writer just does not want to be there. Oh, man. <laughs> the, they squandered her ability putting yeah. her in that fucking film, man. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, Mr. Deeds. But also, Waterboy's gargles. Oh, I haven't seen that one. Either. I love the Waterboy. Uh, that's the, that's got the. Fruit bulk, baby. Oh, if I'm watching Fruit bulk, I'm obviously watching the craft. Come on. Yeah, look, um, fair. But really, Andrew, you like the craft. Yeah. <laughs> He's the weirdo here, yeah, Mister. Shaped me at a young age. Let me say, the um, man who is currently wearing a moon necklace. Yeah. The Waterboy's got the. Uh, kind of peak annoying Sandler voice for a lot of uh, it yeah, th- 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 yeah th- like that's th- th- super th- th- fucking hard to, that's hard to watch Murphy <laughs> this is good the, all the, the worst ones I haven't seen or maybe my 30s is when I do go back and, and you know become an Adam Sandler completion I'm gonna go yeah. back and watch all the ones I missed yeah well you're ready for his um which is definitely going to happen. His, uh, oh, his renaissance. It's not going to happen. It's going to happen, man. He's definitely shown that he... He can. He can do it. But, but he just doesn't is, want to. He doesn't want to because he gets huge like tax incentives and like Netflix money to just go on a holiday. That's why all of his films are set in different areas now. Yeah. He goes, yeah, on, he goes on a holiday much. with his buddies. He gets paid millions of dollars for it. Gentlemen, why wouldn't you? Gentlemen, yeah. gentlemen, you're forgetting one very important thing. Two words. Hottest bump. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. The Adam Sandler renaissance. Okay, it's Adam. happening, baby. I've said it. Don't I, let us down. I'm legit, though. Like, 100% Fresh was in my top five favorite comedy specials last year. It was so fucking funny and so fucking well written. It, like, completely belied, like, the last, like, 10 years of Adam Sandler movies. I'm I just like, heard that. where have you been hiding this shit, dude? It was his first stand up special in 14 years, 15 even. Like, it was a long fucking time, regardless. And, like, it was just that good. I'm going to end it on a fucking positive note for Adam Sandler because I can. Number 11, this is the Foo Fighters with Learn to Fly. Learn to fly out of the EU into Britain. There we go.
Food Fight is at number 11 in the 1999 Triple J Hottest 100. That is Learn to Fly from the album There Is Nothing Left to Lose. Which is, I reckon, a mentality that Andrew McDonald has. He's got nothing to lose. <laughs> nothing left to lose. Oh, yikes. That's like, um... I have nothing. Yeah, it's all the freedom, like the song, right? Um, that's it, that's it. Yeah. What song? Freedom is just another word for nothing left to lose. Janice Joplin. Mm. Uh, She's pretty good. Check her out. <laughs> Have you ever heard of her? Yeah. <laughs> She's going to get the hottest bump yeah. for sure. Um, yeah, this is the first single from There's Nothing Left to Lose. Uh, this is, I think, utterly typical for the kind of like pop hook driven rock and roll music that Foo Fighters were just masters of making for this time. Yeah. yeah. Maybe like the first real example of it dialed up to 100%. Oh, yeah, exactly right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, even more so than like. My Hero or Everlong, which we've spoken about. Yeah. This one has the the sensibility of being like, they had the formula and they perfected it with this. They're just like, this is exactly the kind of music that we are going to make. And at this point, they're making it incredibly fucking well. Like the Foo Fighter songs that I like like the most are the more, the faster ones like- Monkey Ranch. Monkey Ranch, All My Life. Yeah. Everlong. Yeah. yeah. But like, this is still like for a mid-tempo rock song and you can't argue with like Grohl's fucking vocals here or just so, he just- projecting from the diaphragm so powerfully as like a f- classic front man yeah mm-hmm. you don't like it do you Adam? good technique dude <laughs> I can see it on your fucking face dude dude I was excited I saw this in the list and I was like oh man a Foo Fighters song I love the Foo Fighters and the experience I'll just take a sip of water and revisit it yeah, yeah. revisit this song I love the experience was like being a tyre and slowly just deflating throughout the course of it every Whoa. second that passed in this song I was like oh no Oh no, it sounds like this? What? The, the lyrics are that? Yeah, man. I don't know what happened. I thought I liked this song. Yeah, right. <laughs> I really did. And now you don't. It was hard. Yeah. No. There's something so like self-satisfied I th- about this track. And just Well, did you read what he said it's about? He said to fly, right? Yeah, just being a pilot. Yeah. Um <laughs> it's like it's, second year pilot school. Yeah, yeah. He said um well what he actually says um at this point in my life, I was looking to try new things out, and I got into aviation school, and I really wanted to become a pilot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel like I ruined a bit for That's you by right. laughing. That's all right. He says, um, <laughs> it's about the search for some sort of inspiration. It's the search for signs of life that will make you feel alive. It's actually what I- and then he says, it's actually one of my least favorite songs on the record. Yes! And really? I, did, I did hear he that. He says, I've been living in LA for about a year and a half, just being, just being a drunk, getting fucked up every night and doing horrible shit. I finally got sick of that. I was like, I've got to go back to Virginia or I'll fucking die in this place. So he's trying to like find his footing again. Right. So, th- and this connects back to the, the way the album was made. There's nothing left to lose. Um, and even the, the title and the, and the thesis statement for that album, because they did go back to Virginia, bought a house there, created a little um, like make- makeshift basement thing. Apparently the soundproofing was a sleeping bags taped to walls. And he lived there with the band. And in his own words, it was kind of like this bucolic kind of lifestyle that they were living where they were just like waking up hanging out drinking beer and whiskey um and then just when they felt like it going down to the basement and recording songs kind of that way yeah i also like to um drink too much beer and whiskey and when i feel like it go to work (laughs) yes yeah um but i think that kind of self-satisfied chilled out kind of vibe is exactly the thing that kind of puts me off in this song like and just all the devil angel cliches it's just it's just like I didn't realise how much it was really like rock cliche it's just you like you know what I mean like 
Uh, it's, it's a just, little bit much. You'll never hear me say this, but it's just sincere to an extent and in a way that I just can't get behind. You're right. I will never hear you say no, that. No, I, <laughs> I am Mr. Like, Apart from sincerity. that time he just said it. What? I'd yeah, right. I, I, this oh, is not I, one of my favourite Foo Fighter songs, but I mm. think as a single, they do what they do so well. Totally. So I just think, I, for me, it just works. I think I, I, I like the song. Yeah. Coming back to it, I was just like, oh man, it, it really is just like all uplifting all the time. Yeah. Big and time. then after, like, I think I listened to it a second time, I was like, oh, it really just is all uplifting all the time. And I, it kind of just yeah. like. It got a bit too much for me. Yeah. It's saccharine, it's man. Still, it's, it's, yeah, maybe. Yeah. It is, it, it is kind of overly saccharine in the lyrics, I agree. But I just think that the way the band were working at this point and for these kind of singles, they couldn't make a bad one. Totally. The lyrics are, a bit, the lyrics I, are too cheesy. But. I also think it just it just doesn't hold up under scrutiny. And I think as... as I just don't like, think it needs to. Well, that, that's it. Maybe it doesn't. Like, mm. I think as a song on the radio, it's just like, it's this huge, like, positive giant rock song where every bit is another like you know yeah, this keep, it keeps going up it follows that like Brian Wilson Beach Boys mentality of like not having any dips just yeah. keep going up and up and up you know I could so happily just believe and and rest in the idea that this is just not what I want from music at the moment that maybe what it's delivering it's delivering incredibly well but it's just like so outside of my tastes currently that you know, maybe that's the issue because I do remember liking this song, so and, it, did, and, and, it did work for me at a point. Well, remember, like, like, like Dave Grohl said, one of his least favorite songs on the record. So it's okay if, if you like you fuck with the Foo Fighters. I don't think was- this is the best single on. There is nothing left to lose. Like, there's some really strong stuff on this record. Like, uh, it's weird because they were going through this like uh, interesting transitional period. Taylor Hawkins had just come on properly full time. Uh, Pat Smear had just left, and so uh, they made this record as a three. It's the only. Foo Fighters record that was made as a three-piece. That's part of the dynamic as well. So, like, there's a there's a few different things going on here. But, uh, yeah, for what it's worth, I, I don't hate Learn to Fly. It hasn't done anything for me to, like, give me a huge, like, oh, fuck this song, or to be like, fuck yeah, this song. You know, I liked it as a kid, uh, I but it, I've never loved it. Like, I've loved other... Foo- I have no shame in admitting I've loved Foo Fighters yeah, songs. Yeah, of course, man. Yeah, but this isn't one of them. It's just always been one of those just like oh yeah if you ask me the best thing about this song sorry to exclude you again Adam but uh, the best thing about this song is it's music video which stars a uh, young Tenacious D. Another video starring Jack Black. I was thinking mm-hmm. that when I watched it yeah. Yeah the video so, also on a plane. Oh my god didn't I say he'd be coming back? Yeah. When we yeah we said like this is probably the last time we're going to get to talk about Jack Black. Like, no, and here he is. I knew it. Yeah, um, I knew it. Dave Grohl playing, and also Taylor, but mainly Grohl playing a few different. Nate as well gets yeah. a couple in there. They Play, all, they're all playing of... like themselves, and they're playing other passengers. Yeah, and there's a brief cameo from the Tenacious D boys at the start, stealing yeah. supplies from the plane. Yeah, and putting weed in the coffee. Yeah. Also, uh, in an insane moment of Dave Grohlness, uh, he plays a uh, like a teenage girl who goes up to Dave Grohl and asks for his autograph. So he's uh, he's dressed as a teenage girl asking himself for an autograph, and then Woof. later and later on, as the girl, he goes to the cockpit where he, as the pilot, is like hanging out with her. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. And then while that's happening, he again, as the steward, 
like has like a flirty eye contact with the pilot. So there's three girls there, and they're all loving Dave Grohl. Oh, it's it's some <laughs> real it's a sign of Grohl to come. Oh man, <laughs> do you have any weird fetishes, Dave? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> just just into the normal stuff. Oh, just uh, normal stuff. Just normal stuff, really. Is there a reason there are six mirrors in this room? <laughs> Shut up. Um, should we talk about the Italian thing? Yeah. Talk about the Italian thing. This Europe. is pure. <laughs> July 30, 2015, a video hits YouTube of 1,000 Italian musicians in a place called Cessna. Let's say that, yeah. You're Italian, aren't you? (laughs) Cessna. (laughs) You're the closest thing we have, man. Uh, So they're all playing and singing this song in unison, trying to get the Foo Fighters to come to play a concert in Cessna, accompanying, you know, a plea of them to do so, which I believe went something like, hey, Foo Fighters, what's the matter you? It's not so bad. It's a nicer place. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. If I see it, I'm a- Shut up, like you face, Adam. (laughs) So anyway, the very next day, Dave Grohl responds in Italian, classy touch, Oh, depending on how well he's spoken. <laughs> he's got Google Translate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's essentially he's like, hey guys, coming Foo Fighters. Thank you. Great music. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> It'll do. We'll take it. But he said, thank you so much. We're coming soon, I swear. What um, is Foo Fighters in Italian? Anyway. Um, <laughs> Combatani di Foo. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. They sound like the Swedish chef. I'm pretty sure it's just Foo Fighters, but that's better. So anyway, they they made good on their promise on November 3 that same year and they played a 27 song concert. It was they yeah, went to a small crowd out. as well. Was it like uh, 3,000 people? Yeah. 3,000 people. And yeah, they started... For, the, by them, like 2015 Foo Fighters are not playing to 3,000 level no, audiences. That's fucking no. cool, man. And I'm going to pay it. And they opened with this song, Learn to Fly, because that was the, that was the thing that did it all. Uh, incidentally, um, that 1,000 person rock band um, officially listed itself as a rock band called The Rockin' 1000. Um, and I believe holds some kind of record as the biggest rock band in the world because of that. Hmm. Cool. Um, but that's tracks. that's and a then, pure story, right? After that, uh, the song got into the Austrian and Swiss charts yeah. like uh, si- nearly 16 years after it was released, which is kind of cool just because of all that. Yeah. See? Remain. <laughs> that wouldn't happen. <laughs> no. You got you gotta give it to the man for doing that that kind of shit. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, like, it's, it's cool, man. And it's like it got way more publicity than it should have, but like when he broke his leg and still got the tour going. Like yeah. it's cool. Yeah. yeah. You, you gotta pay him. For the people who it is for, like, I'm for that. Yeah, yeah, sure. I'm for that. Yeah. Look. You know. Now in a crazy moment of hottest bump action, literally just this minute I've gotten news that the Foo Fighters have just released a brand new single. So uh let's have a listen. Let's see what they're up to these days. I don't know what it's like, but uh I'm very curious to see what direction they've headed in. Oh wow, cool. Expecting nothing, and I'm still disappointed. <laughs> I think this is their best work in years, probably. Me too. All things considered. Yeah! <laughs> that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Artist 100 and Thousands. Thank, Thank you very much for listening, and thanks to FBI, the full blooded Italians, for giving us a space. F- FBI isn't so bad. It's not so bad. It's a nicer place. It's a nice place. <laughs> <laughs> 
See, it's fun. It now, before we shut up for our faces, uh, we're going to pick our favourites, least favourites, carryover champs, carryover chumps. Uh, I am for my favourite this week. I reckon... I reckon I'm going to go with Open Fire by Silver Chair. And... Yeah, screw it. I'll make it my new champ because it's a fucking great song. Uh, least favorite, I guess I'll go with Learn to Fly, even though it's still a good track. Uh, and, but obviously my chomp remains uh, Mr. Robert Marley. Yes, uh, my favorite was also Anna's song, Open Fire. I think it's absolutely wonderful. Uh, my champ does remain Friends of I'm Going Out Tonight. Uh, my least favorite is What's My Age Again, but it, the chump remains the Bob Marley remix. Yeah, I think I'll give my, my favorite will be the Silver Chair as well, but I'll hold on to uh, Never Had So Much Fun. Uh, least favorite is Blink, um, but I'll keep uh, the Tea Party as my chump. Man, I'm actually going to give least favorite to Learn to Fly this week. I was just so disappointed. So mm. let down. Uh, but my favorite is definitely Far and Away um, and a song, but I think I'm going to... Oh, no, it's tough. I'm tempted to switch one silver chair for another, but no, I'll keep, I'll keep emotion sickness. And oh. my uh, my least favorite is still Zitty Party. Fair enough. But this episode's been pretty multi eh? Oh, I agree. I absolutely agree. On behalf of Mr. Adam Buncher. Ciao. On behalf of Mr. Nathan Harrison. Yeah, ciao. And on behalf of Mr. Andrew McDonald. Arriva Dutch. My name is David James Young. Everything is... I said- <laughs> Oh no, this one, yeah, this one slaps. Yeah. <laughs>